You are now listening to In Conversation with MRO, the podcast dedicated to machinery and equipment maintenance, reliability, and operations. It is presented by Machinery and Equipment MRO, Canada's maintenance voice since 1985. I'm your host, Mario Sawinski, editor, MRO. Thank you for joining us today on In Conversation with MRO. I'm your host, Mario Suwinski, and our guest today is Mark Sherling, President and CEO at Tarot Consulting Limited. Today, we will discuss computerized maintenance management software, or as is more commonly known, CMMS. Thank you for coming on In Conversation with MRO today, Mark. Before we dive into the topic, can you give us a brief background of your expertise and how it relates to the topic at hand? Most certainly, and uh, thank you for having me here, Mario. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Taro is the maker of a product called Azir, and we've been working in the CMMS business now for over 30 years, which gives us a fair bit of experience. We uh, are a web-based company and have uh, seen a lot of change in the industry over the years, and uh, I imagine that's a, a few of the topics that we'll talk about today. All right. So CMMS is obviously your uh, area of focus. Can you speak to the current state of CMMS in the industry? Certainly. Um, Actually, it's, it's, uh, it's been a long ride, as I mentioned, 30 years of seeing the industry <clears throat> unfold. But I will say, um, in the last few years, it's probably changed the most. You know, COVID obviously was an accelerator of that. Um, but um, but it, was, it, was, it was kind of a long time coming. Um, digitization and the, the change um, from manual labor to robotic labor in our industries has really you know, pushed us as a group in the CMMS marketplace um, to move forward. Um, you know, it's, 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 and as an example, uh, most people are carrying mobile devices nowadays. So we've had to change, completely change the platform that we deliver a lot of our services on um, from being on, uh, well, back in the day on mainframe computers when we started out, um, but obviously, you know, we left that in the dust and, and moved forward to personal computers and so on. But uh, one of the biggest things is digitization and um, the acceleration of that change in the industry has really made us have to be nimble and change uh, to get to mobile devices and to, to deliver our product in a, a much quicker, uh, more sort of concentrated way. Now, do, do you think you, me- you mentioned mobile devices? What? I guess, percentage of your users, would you say use, you know, tablets, mobile devices, and what would be more still using desktop? It's, it's really changed. I think it's changing faster now. You know, we've incrementally moved from desktop to tablet to phone. Um, but I think, in the, as, as I mentioned earlier, I think that it's really accelerated in the last few years. Um, we've taken in our company and really mobilized. One of the things that we've tried to do is we've, we've actually put on the marketplace an app for the very front end of our CMMS that is free. We just, we want it because we want everybody to use it. You know, we're, we're trying, to, we're trying to get it out there. We want to see it used. We know there's value in it, but if we can get the front end and we can get people using things on mobile devices more and more, we do see the efficiencies to answer your question more directly. We're not all there yet. It's actually quite surprising how many of us haven't taken that leap to get there. There's a lot of good reasons why we may not quite be there yet. Not everybody has their bring their BYOD, uh, bring your device to work uh, policies all in place. So sometimes we're using a personal device we don't know, and so we, there's a there's there's still a lot of um, 
a little bit of uncertainty in the marketplace, but we're moving through that quite quickly now and we're seeing it getting adopted more and more. Do you see as, you know, some, I guess some companies there, you know, what in the oil and gas industry, especially are more remote. Do you see that as sort of being a deterrent to them using mobile because they might not have, you know, internet service, um, which you would need to be able to connect to the cloud? That is definitely one of the challenges. Um, you know, the further out you go, the harder it does it is to get connected. But that said, the technology that we have nowadays to get there is so much better. And one thing I can tell you with my years of experience is it's easier to adjust the hardware and spend money on hardware to get from A to B to C using repeaters and things than it is to write software that you take out into the field that does syncing and all kinds of fancy database things. You start you typically start losing data and it becomes very onerous and expensive to keep up. So generally speaking, our advice to our client base and to everyone is to, to work on the hardware because it's, it's amazing what we actually can do now. It's rare that we see the, the pushback um, for getting connected. If they are sometimes, mind you, it's because of um, security and or even safety. Sometimes we have, uh, we have some customers that do um, testing um, in the military and so on. Um, and I can't even name some of those customers because some of it is yeah. such high tech and it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, it's secure. Um, uh, but um, we can't even use uh, Wi-Fi, for example, in their labs um, because we can't have the radio waves, uh, the waves uh, in the air. How safe is, is it to use CMMS and cloud technology and is that sort of a big deterrent to some or is it so safe that a lot of people are jumping on yeah i think i think there's there's probably two things to be said about that first of all if you are being responsible it's safe that it, it, it we have so much technology nowadays yes it's true that if you cross the street you could get hit by a bus you're going to take that chance every time you go out of your house right you have to take little chances in life to get things done but we do have um, highly secure. We, I, you know, I, I'll actually boast about something. At Terra, we've never lost a stitch of our customers' data. We've housed data for over 20 years now, and we've never lost data. We're, you know, we're very mature at what we do. We're careful. All our, I, and I'm going to say all our competition is too. That's the marketplace. So, yeah, you got to take a chance to get across the street. But as long as you look both ways before you cross, you're usually all right. Second point would be. Um, CMMS, generally speaking, is not the same as your banking software. We don't have information in our CMMS, generally speaking, that is vulnerable to attack. And as such, we don't usually get attacked because nobody's interested. Um, but, but the truth, you know, as much as it is very important information to an organization as to when the maintenance needs to be done and to be able to do your analytics, Someone, someone gets a hold of some of that information. They might know when you're going to PM your, your, your motor next and do your preventive maintenance, but they're not going to use that information to empty your bank account. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, looking at the future, what do you see uh, happening in CMMS in the next five to 10 years? Really excited about it, actually, Mario. Um, you know, after seeing what's gone on in the last few years, um, just briefly, um, our company, Taro, is completely digitized. We don't work in bricks and mortar anymore. Our, 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 our company over the, took, the, took the time over COVID to completely go out and 
digitize the company, the website, everything we do. Our offering is on our website. You can, you can actually light up um, um, one of our foundation systems with about two clicks. Um, and we, we get you started for free so you can get a taste of it. And then you're probably going to need your visa card, you know, at that point. Um, but we're seeing things happen in the industry now so fast, it's almost hard to keep up. You know, I'll mention Microsoft's chat, uh, just purchased, um, opened the open source um, chat AI. And this is, this is, this is artificial intelligence. It's, and they're now building it in and they say they've got it in their Bing browser. They've just started to put it in the Bing browser. So I envision, for example, a mechanic coming up to their CMMS system, opening up a new work order and saying, all they have to do now is take a, uh, uh, a barcode of some kind or something. They just, they just, they scan the, the asset that they're in front of. Let's say it's a, it's a motor. They scan the asset. The system now knows the make, the model, the serial number and all the information about it. And they can literally talk to their, you know, they're say in the field on their phone, on the mobile device. They can actually, how do I replace the bushings in this electric motor? And it'll start talking to them and telling them. So it's, it's really changing the type of, uh, of, of maintenance we do. It's, it's sort of, I was talking to Rob about this the other day, Rob Bloom, and, and we, he was, you know, I was saying that, that, that we're, we're moving more from even being mechanics in the field to being more technicians because we're working so closely with the computer now. We plug in the computer and it tells us, oh, it, it actually diagnoses the problem. In the old days, my dad was a mechanical engineer. He used to take me down to the boats on the commercial fish boats where I used to work in the summer times as a young lad. And we would sit and listen to that diesel engine, you know, and we'd he'd hear a noise and he'd say, you can hear that, can't you? And he'd tell me, you know, it's in this harmonic and here it is. It's changed so much. Nowadays, we plug a machine in and it tells us that this is where it is and this is what it is and this is how to fix it. And uh, so now we're starting to build that into our CMMS software so that it's working with you to get this done. Now, imagine, take that one step further. Everybody watched the Super Bowl, probably saw Boston Dynamics spot and, they, and saw their, uh, their, their uh, robot. And uh, imagine now we send the robot out to do the actual maintenance in an area where it's very dangerous and we can't send people necessarily, yeah. or it's even just not good for safety. We're in the mine site, it might have a lot of caustic uh, uh, smells in the air. The maintenance system is now talking to the robot, telling it it needs to go and grease a bearing down here. So we don't have a failure, which could cost us tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars if it fails. Yeah. The people are now back here programming the work and not even doing it as much. Well, and, and I was at a show, I think it was last September, uh, the PMAC main train show. Um, and they had, I, th I can't remember what I might've been a Boston dynamics or another company can't remember now, but they had a dog robot, right? Yeah. That would be spot. Yes. Um, yes. and yeah, partner. you know, it's all, it looks cute, but like you were saying, if you think about it, right. You know, if it's something that's dangerous and you don't, you know, there's potential for, you know, injury or death, you send in the robot to do it. Right. You know, yes. you don't, you don't want to lose a robot, but you you rather lose the robot than have an injury. Right? Hey, absolutely. And, you know, even as much as, as you don't like the smell because you're working on the sewer. So send in the robot. Yeah. Send yeah. in the robot, you know, but more to your point. Yes. You know, the painting, for example, yeah. you've got old painters nowadays that are finding out that they're getting cancer because they were working with lead paint in the day. Yeah. Now our paint's a lot better, but I wouldn't say it's perfect today. 
if we could have the robot doing that painting in that closed area where there's it's not ventilated, we're going to save people literally, let them live longer. Yeah. Well, look at look at the production process, right? Like automotive production is mainly all robots, right? Like you have people with the electronics and those kind of things that you have to, but you know, a lot of it is done by the big, huge robots, right? Hundred percent. And to your point, maintenance is what makes those robots work. You know, yeah. it's not just the robot doing maintenance on the line. Somebody has to do maintenance on the robot yeah. because if that robot breaks down, you don't put, and this is a big point, you don't put a person in their place to do the work. Yeah. It's rare. You can't just set a person up to start working on dies and machines and things like that. They're all calibrated. They're all set up ahead of time. So if the machine, if the robot goes down now, What's it costing you? I think I heard a, a statistic from Toyota at one point that if they had downtime in the plant, it was costing them $100,000 a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Maintenance. <laughs> maintenance is how you. Well, the, the way I describe maintenance is, is maintenance is a niche that covers every industry, right? It, because everything needs maintenance. Right? It's amazing, Mario. People ask me often, what do you do for a living? And I tell them, I you know, have a maintenance management software company. And they, they look at me and they're like, what, what, what does that mean? And I take it for granted. I'm over 30 years in the industry. I have maintenance. You go up on the roof, you maintain the air handling unit, right? So you got good clean air going into your school district so your children can breathe when they're in the classroom. Yeah. Most people don't see that. We're sort of the un... Uh, you know, the unknown heroes of the world. We, we, we work in the basement. We work on the rooftop. We work in the sewer. Yeah. And, you know, when it's not working, man, we're, we're definitely known. Yeah. <laughs> but as long as it's working, nobody knows we're yeah. there. Nobody yeah. knows. You, you got to say from now on, say you work for a software company, then everyone will know what you're They'll talking right about. Right away. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> That's like me. I said, I work for a media company. Right. <laughs> It's, like, it's oh, funny, okay. maintenance is all around us though. And it, it is really funny, interesting, I think, anecdotally, how we take it for granted that we're driving down a road, right? And the road is maintained, the asphalt, the curbs, the lights above you, the city's maintained. It's all maintained from your CMMS. Yeah. Well, from so, your CMMS. And sort of jumping off of that, what would you say are some of the biggest benefits of CMMA? Up CMMA. CMMA. Well, I mentioned, as, yeah, yeah, as I mentioned, um, you know, Toyota told us that it was costing $100,000 a minute when they were down. We can't go down in the big plant. It's a big no-no. It's costing you time and money and materials when that happens. So the first thing we're trying to do is avoid any downtime at all. Typically speaking, if you maintain a motor in a plant, the motors are everywhere. They turn the air handling unit. They do, you know, they turn the, 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 the uh, the armature that gives you electricity in your in your in your town. If you maintain it, it generally costs one eighth to one tenth as much as it does if it fails. So when it fails, it's ten times the cost or more. So you you know maintenance is absolutely critical to your bottom line. But it's also, as I said, it's something that makes our lives much more pleasant. What what? Imagine if we didn't maintain our city at all. Maintenance, it kind of includes garbage pickup at times, you know, yeah. I mean, it would be a mess. It would be, an, and nothing's turning, the lights aren't working, the air quality is horrible. Things aren't working when maintenance isn't working, right? Our whole world is topsy-turvy. If you look at the entire North America, and I would say even the United States more so, 
The infrastructure push right now that government has realized they need to put, Biden has just put million, billions of dollars yeah. into refurbishing uh, infrastructure because we've let pipes in the ground go 100 years that are starting to fail. And when that pipe fails, I mean, goodness, I hope it's not a, a gas pipe because that causes carnage. But I mean, even water pipes, when water pipes fail and they go in the city, they're taking out whole blocks. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I've seen that firsthand. My my parents live in Mississauga and it's like over, probably over the last five years, half the city is having their water mains replaced. Yeah. Right. Um, and you just see roads, right, all dug up because it's not an easy job. Right. You got to dig up the whole road, take it all out, put new ones in. Right. And it's like yeah. everywhere because they haven't been replaced since what? When the city started growing in what, the 60s? Right. So we're at a bit of a turning point in North America. I can tell you this right now. And um, we are starting to get on top of it. You know, it's, there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel, I think. But it's it's critical, absolutely critical that we get to these things before they fail. That's for sure. And as I said, the quality of life, the quality standard of life is is really connected to maintenance. You know, we looked at, at the positives. What, what do you see as some of the reasons why companies wouldn't use CMMS? Would cost be sort of the main issue? You know, I, I think, first of all, what I'll say is that most companies nowadays have a CMMS. I talk to my, obviously, to my sales director and my salespeople regularly, and they tell me that it's very, very rare that they walk into an organization that has moving parts that doesn't have some maintenance practices, and generally speaking, has some maintenance system. Um, so we've, we've, I think we've learned our lesson there. I think we, we, we generally speaking are not educating people saying you need to do CMMS. They know that they know that. So now to your question, it's, it's kind of, are they ready? You know, do they have the money? Yeah, but you can't not have the money. Not doing it is going to cost you a lot more than the investment that you make in, in, in your CMMS in the long term. So it's kind of, it's fallacy to think that you can get away with it. You won't get away with not implementing the CMMS in your manufacturing plant or wherever you are. We do at times see companies that maybe have some older staff that maybe aren't quite as nimble with the digitization and the computers and they're finding that maybe they're still on a paper spreadsheet or something, um, but that's so rare. I can think of maybe one of my customers that's doing that in their inventory right now. All of my other customers are using their CMMS. Yeah, um, and, and actually, uh, we we ran a poll on our website uh, last couple of months, and we so we asked what software do you use to manage your maintenance. Eleven percent said none of the above, and we had listed CMMS, EAM, ERP, or other. Um, so that, that would be yeah, eleven percent. Yeah. So say one in ten, right? Yeah, so, it's pretty small. It's pretty small. Um, and I would venture to guess that they're not doing so well. Not everybody has the best practices, you know? Excel will only take you so far, right? Oh, <laughs> it won't take you very far, really. And, and you know, nowadays, actually, I'll, I'll say this. Um, you, as long as you're using one of the industry standard CMMSs on the marketplace today, to all you maintenance managers that might be new, you've got a new job, you're getting in, get your CMMS, install it, and just follow it, get the manual out. It's gonna tell you to do the right thing. I've said this multiple times, you know, if I was gonna, if, so if you asked me to go in and be the maintenance manager tomorrow, I'd take our web, our zero product, I'd put it in and just follow it. It guides you through and gets you to where you need to be. So it's kind of a guide. I, I don't, you know, I would, uh, 
I'd be surprised if we'd find a place where you could make an excuse that would make it okay not to have your CMMS in place. All right. Well, what we sort of spoke about, you know, how it saves you money. How, how does it, how does it help companies with their bottom line? Yeah. Well, first of all, the downtime, I've kind of harped on that a little bit in the interview, you know, in our discussion. Um, but also there's a lot of other things, efficiencies, for example, um, we have clients, um, one of our clients, Kingston Midstream is sitting in uh, Saskatchewan, managing the Enbridge pipeline, uh, doing all the maintenance on it. And they use our scheduling product. We have a fairly intrinsic scheduling product for your trades and for your, your, your personnel. So they're getting the best use right now out of all of their trades that cost them a lot of money. Um, so efficiency is getting higher and higher and higher with scheduling. Managing materials is another one that's huge for purchasing and inventory. We can normalize your inventory, get it up and running, make it work, take you, go into your storeroom, start normalizing, making sure you don't have five places with the same item all scattered all over. So you're paying five times as much to store it. Um, so we're going to save money with materials and parts and ordering them and getting your vendors. One of the things I see in industry too, that's been a big theme in the last couple of years, and it's, I think it will be a huge theme for the next couple of years is um, doing analytics. We now have some fairly basic software on the marketplace. Actually, Microsoft Power BI is one that we use a lot. It's incredibly affordable. It's incredibly powerful. It's connected to Azure. And you can sit down now and analyze how you're doing and benchmark how you're doing and see the areas that you need to make improvements on your costs, on your time, and so on. And, and now, because we've got a little better, more intuitive software on the marketplace, we got some neat apps out there, we can start crunching the data a little easier. And as a maintenance manager who might not be a full-on IT person, we can make some sense of a graph and a little bit of data in behind it and start tweaking our organization and analyzing. And I, as I say, I see a lot, that's a trend in the industry right now. I see a lot of it. Do you see, because not every company needs the same sort of solution, right? So it's sort of not a one size fit, fits all. Um, can you speak a little about, you know, how CMMS can be customized, offering, you know, different tiers, yeah. you know, whether it's an all-in solution or just something basic for, you know, a small, not so much a mom and pop shop, but a smaller yes. SME. Yes. Yeah, flexibility is key there. Um, but I will say that, you know, there are... Um, we focus, we focus in, in some niches. For example, I mentioned King, Kingston Midstream. We're very focused in oil and gas. We're very focused in manufacturing. We're very focused in, uh, in, 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 in fleet maintenance and so on. Um, I think you'll find that in the industry, most of the companies are verticalizing a fair bit because it's become so complicated in our world today. There's just so much to do. You can't really be a jack of all trades and, and, and satisfy everyone these days, you really have to specialize some. So I think the first step with most companies is that they've found their niche in the marketplace and they sort of plug into those areas because there's just so many from forestry to facilities, to education, to government and all those different, and they all, each of them has their niches, right? Um, beyond that, once you've, you've got your, your CMMS in your sort of proper sort of areas, Flexibility comes in now. So for example, we've written uh, uh, what we call our screen designer. So you can take our product and actually develop themes for a whole department and say, this is gonna be the work order we're gonna use in this department with these 10 fields. But the other department, because it has a very different mandate, you know, working in a, in a plant versus working maybe in the government facility, maintaining the courthouse. 
has a different mandate and has different procedures and things that you go through. But with our software, for example, you can use it for both because it is so flexible and you can you can create a screen for this group and you can create a, a, a different screen for this group. So sort of the, the next layer is that flexibility, right? Is having that flexibility in your product so that you can you can mold it into the environment. And we take that that sort of theory when we come in that there are good things that we will recommend. We will say, you know, you're doing it this way. Have you considered maybe doing it this way because it might be better? But I can also tell you that we've walked into places where they're doing it a certain way. We've never seen that before. And they're doing it because they're they're way up north in the cold. It goes to 40, minus, 40 below zero up there and they got to do things a little different. So yeah. we need to modify our software and take our product and make it morph a little bit, still keeping industry standards in place. Yeah. But we need to meet those needs of those clients in those places. And that's that's where you can kind of separate yourself as a service provider or as a software provider. Can you outline any case studies or examples of how CMMS has uh, helped companies that you've worked with? Actually, one, one that, that happened a couple of years ago that was really interesting um, was with the California military. Um, turns out they have a lot of stuff. <laughs> and they mobilize a lot of people. And um, they had set up storerooms all over California. They had, they had stuff here and stuff there and stuff everywhere. And sadly, a lot of it was going missing. And, 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 and don't, don't, don't take that the wrong way. It was going missing often just because of communication. Someone would grab something from here that they needed. And you know what? Sometimes they need it when they're, they're getting deployed and they're going somewhere. It's kind of hard to go to the Middle East without your, your weapon. <laughs> so um, we got involved. We, they've been a customer actually for, for many years, well over 10 years, maybe 20 years now. And we were doing an upgrade with them to our newest version. And they said, you know, could we address this? This is something that is starting to cause us some, a lot of cost and a lot of grief. So we took each of their, their areas and, and they're not necessarily always very formal storerooms. We all think of storerooms with bins and rows and columns. Yeah. Sometimes they were just rooms with a lot of, a lot of expensive parts and materials. So we took them all and we put them all into the inventory system. We started working through that. And now we're saving them anywhere. It sounds like we're saving them over $100,000 a year in missing stuff. So there's, you know, and this happens all the time. This happens even in our manufacturing plants and things when we go in and we find that we can save anywhere from 20 to 40% in their storerooms up front when we go in. Um, and, you know, as I said, we did this with a sister company in Kingston called Tundra uh, Oil and Gas. Uh, here in Canada, and um, they were they were having some trouble in their storeroom when we went, in, went into their uh, storeroom a few years back, and uh, a lot of it had to do with issuing parts. They weren't getting out the door properly, um, so we mobilized that, made it easier because now you didn't have to walk over to the storeroom and write something down or put it onto a kiosk or something. We just got it right onto their tablets, and they were able to put in the parts using a barcode and just go whoop 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 whoop, yeah. whoop, whoop and get all the parts. Now they were walking out. They don't mind doing it. It's actually kind of fun now because uh, yeah. anybody's got a little bit of geek in them is having some fun. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so they, they tend to kind of, um, the, the, the client base tends to kind of gravitate to it because, hey, look, I did this and I, you know, I can make it work and look, I can do it. And, and um, it, it really caught on. And all of a sudden the company got a hold of its parts and, um, now you don't have duplicates sitting on the shelf of, of expensive parts. It might be a thousand dollar part. We don't need five of them. We only need one spare, but because people were yanking them off the, and because people are yanking stuff off the shelf, if they're yanking it off the shelf and not recording it, when the next person comes along to do the job, they think that parts on the shelf. 
Yeah. Next thing you know, the job that was lined up for three people and scheduled today and the materials are supposed to be reserved and on hand, they aren't there because they weren't recorded. So we were able to save them and create a lot of efficiency out of, out of getting the tracking down to doing it, making it easy. A lot of times that's what it comes down to is making it simple and making it easy. Sorry, going back to your, your question just a little bit about, you know, why doesn't it work sometimes? Because it gets complicated if you're not careful. Hmm. Our implementations are actually, I find there's an inverse curve. If you, if you look at the curve going, or if you look at the, the line going up for complexity, there's a, there's a line going down for the success of, of, or the chances of success. And they meet somewhere in the middle where it's just right, where you're, comp you're not too complicated, but you're getting stuff done. And uh, I do find, mind you, staying on the simple side still, you know, we've been saying this forever, but it still works. Yeah, and when it's sort of when it when it's not done properly, it's like when the stores who so you go on their website, you know, they say they got three of them in the store. You get there and there's none, right? Yeah. Because imagine that feeling. Because yeah. someone didn't scan it out, right, or whatever it is. And it was so simple to do, but now we just lost a customer. Yeah. Or we got a machine down, and we'll lose a customer because we didn't deliver our parts on time or our yeah. our, our commodity on time that we're building, right? And it's critical. Yeah. We seem to be, uh, you know, the, seeing the pandemic in the rearview mirror, but how has the pandemic changed the industry in terms of using digital software for maintenance needs? It, it's, it, I think it's, I think we went through 10 years in the last two years. <laughs> I, I do. I, I think we really did. I, I absolutely amazing. Now we, we took it upon. Well, I know I got a lot more gray hair than I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> again, Thank goodness it's a podcast and no one can see us um, all <laughs> our gray hair here. <laughs> but it does go to case and form. I've seen a bit in my years and, and now I do have a few gray hairs and I, I've never seen things move so fast. Um, and, and admittedly, we took that time at Tarot to retool a bit. We did come out with a bunch of mobile stuff. We realized that we were going to have to deliver. We, we anticipated the fact that our clients were going to keep moving forward and we're going to need mobile devices post-COVID because there is a slightly different feel out there today. And we are doing things in some cases a little bit different. Um, and I, I think that, like I said, the acceleration and, and it hasn't really slowed down. Mm. Um, we took our company, as I said, from being from working in bricks and mortar. And over the last two years, we've mobilized. Everybody is working from home. We've put in new systems to manage our office. Um, we've developed more software for mobilizing our client base and moving them forward. And we've done it all in two years, probably would have taken five years normally. Yeah. And it's not slowing down. As I said, it seems to be moving and moving. And I'm pretty sure the people that don't realize and, and haven't made and taken the steps to get their website up and running so you can purchase on your website so that you can browse and get the information you need to be able to do demos on a snap and, you know, get that gratification that you want from your website. I don't think those companies will survive in the long run. Yeah, and just on on our end at at Annex during COVID, I think ninety five percent of us were working from home. The obviously, we, you know, our printing plant that was a little hard to do from home, right? So, um, I don't know. My my line is always, you know, as long as I have Wi Fi, I can work on the moon, right? Right. So, and I think, you know, I find I I personally end up with a couple more hours a day that I'm not putting in behind a windshield, driving to work, getting a headache. And, I, and we all know how much fun it is to drive. Well, especially when you're coming home from work and you're tired and you're in that traffic, breathing those nasty fumes. Yeah. So I'll never drive to work again. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> no and way. Yeah, you, 
you're 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 out you're, well you're out in bc and vancouver is not exactly the you know there's no i always love driving from the airport to vancouver because there's no highway right not but, a lot no yeah but that's another so, subject for another day with our politicians <laughs> uh whereas for me being in niagara and then our office is in uh the gta right you know it could be an hour and a half it could be three and a half hours it just depends on the day right wow. so is it, and what get, a waste, right? Like sitting in traffic, trying to get somewhere when you probably, I love face-to-face, I have to say, you know, Mario, if, if we were, if we were uh, an hour within an hour's drive, yeah, I'd want to be sitting talking to you today across the table, you know, I mean, that's, there's something about humans that that yeah. just, that's a good deal, right? Yeah. But let's face it, this is work, it's business. We're, we're getting our work done, you know? Can you speak to the touch points of CMMS and how it is being accepted by the C-suite? C-suite to see it now. It used to be that the maintenance manager or the maintenance director would go to a meeting and they would tell the C-suite that this is what we need. And if we don't have it, this is what's going to happen. But they didn't have the proof and they didn't really have the pictures and the, and everything that they need, the PowerPoint presentation. Because you know what? In maintenance, we pull wrenches. We don't do PowerPoint presentations. We get greasy and we pull wrenches yeah. and that's what we do. And when we need more, we holler, hey, we need more maintenance over here. Yeah. Traditionally, anyway. Yeah. Today's maintenance person is a little different and they're, they're a little more tech and, and they're able to produce now, as I said, these analytics and this business intel use these business intelligence and tools to get the graphs and the reports on the desk of the C-suite and they don't have to ask for them anymore. They're sitting in a key performance indicator, a KPI, right on a graph, right on their browser, directly connected to the maintenance system. So they've got real-time information about what's going on. It's far more open and it's more compelling, right? You don't just have this stuffy old maintenance guy yelling at you saying, we need this. It, it's now kind of conforms to everything else they're doing in finance and in HR and so on. So they're very visible. And, and this is something that really in the past wasn't maybe handled to its to its fullest extent so they weren't getting the most out of it right so and let's face anywhere you can get something on your bottom line nowadays margins are getting small and anywhere you can get something on your bottom line nowadays the c so the c-suite's looking at this and they're realizing that they can affect the bottom line significantly by better maintenance practices maybe adding on a few tax maybe changing slightly the way we do this process and so on and mobilizing getting more information to the field enhancing communications all of that is coming back to their bottom line. So basically total cost of ownership, right? We, you, pay up, you pay up front, so you pay less down the road, right? 100%. Yes, that short-sighted thinking has gone away because we can project now rather accurately for the next three years or five years or 10 years what it's going to cost us to operate that new plant, that new expensive piece of machinery how much is it going to cost us per widget to get these things out the door? Because that's going to affect my bottom line. With new technology, especially, I think, um, things like battery plants, um, we don't have much history there. Mm. And the guys that get it, the, the, the companies that get it right the first time are going to be the leaders in the industry, right? You know, uh, we go back to the days when software started, we had Microsoft and we had Apple and so on. They were all, and then there were a whole bunch of other ones. Remember America Online? All those, all that other stuff that just disappeared 
And, and we're in a place again, I think, in time where we've got these startups, uh, you know, around electric cars and batteries and, and uh, new energy plants and green energy and all that sort of thing. So we're building plants everywhere. They're worth a fortune. If we're not getting 100% use out of those plants, we're losing money now, right? If we're not getting them maintained day one, and by the way, that's the time to start, not three years into it. <laughs> well, that's sort of the, the, the automotive brands, right? The, you know, you've had Tesla for the longest time. Well, now you got the, the, the big companies coming in and they're the ones that are building these, all these battery plants, right? So for the longest time, like you mentioned, it was all these little small EV companies popping up everywhere. Oh, look at our prototype. And then there's never goes anywhere, right? Because right. It, it's expensive to build a car, right? Exactly. exactly. So whereas you have these, you know, the big automotive companies, they're sort of just standing on the sidelines with seeing how things play out. It's like, okay, now we'll jump into it where things are more established, right? Exactly. And those... Those companies are the ones that are that have their CMMS in place. You know, they they have it, they have everything from A to Z, right? They're covering it all. And again, the style of maintenance is changing so that it's more, it's more technical, it's being done more often. You know, really, if you wanted to, you don't have to lubricate anything anymore. We now have lubrication points that are all automated. I'm sure you've got lots of write-ups in your in your magazine about lots of companies doing this. In the past, it was always an oiler, and the guy would go out, put oil in here, put grease in here, but it's all automated now, and that could be connected right back to your maintenance system that yes. says every two weeks, every month, every whatever it is, do this. But it doesn't just track that now. In Azure, we've got predictive maintenance, mm -hmm. so now. We are actually tracking after what we, what, when we did it, we've got points on that, that in that position that are tracking what we did and what's coming out of it. So that in the bearing is being tracked. And if we've got vibration or heat right after yeah. we put, the, and we can see the trends and we can see when something's yeah. going to happen. And I can look at that as a maintenance professional now and say, six weeks from now, that bearing is likely to fail. Do you have anything to add on the CMMS front or you think we covered everything? You know, as I said, I, I think that what you're going to see in the future is <laughs> in the next few years is going to be quite amazing what rolls out. Uh, we've got some things up our sleeve. As I said, um, artificial intelligence is one of the things we're working on right now. Um, and we'll be releasing something actually fairly soon. You know, this is, you can't say two years from now we're going to have something because nobody cares. Yeah. Um, it's got to be within months or, or nobody really cares these days. You got to move fast. Um, but I, I think, as I say, I think what you will see is an industry um, that is going to move very quickly. I think you're going to see it's going to become more obvious over time that we're here because we're getting more connected to um, devices and, and product that is in the field, such as our, um, we have our ops out now that we allow anyone to use so that they can connect to the CMMS and get information into our maintenance department to get jobs started. And, um, and this is where I think I see us turning a real corner in the maintenance uh, world where we're not as disconnected working in the basement at night uh, on equipment as we used to. I think we're, we're sort of, it's sort of getting more in the forefront and, and more of an understanding of how important it really is to our daily lives. Thank you for speaking with us today, Mark. And thank you to all our listeners for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to all our social media channels and check out other podcast episodes. Until next time.